I've loved that song from uh, the time I was a little boy, and uh, we would sing it together in our church, and just appreciate you men leading us in that and reminding us that Jesus is alive and well, and because He lives, it makes a difference. It makes all the difference in the world, and it makes all the difference in our life uh, daily, if we allow it to. Um, There was uh, a few years ago a a water boy for a high school football team in Wisconsin, and uh, he had Down syndrome. And his great joy was watching uh, the football team and participating in his own way from the sideline. Uh, But he had always desired to play the game and to get involved in a different way. And uh, on the very last game of the season, it was a home game, and it was his senior year. It would be the last football game that he would be involved with. His name was Noah. And the team arranged with the other team to allow Noah to carry the football. And from about the 40-yard line, he carried the ball. And guess what he did? He scored a touchdown. <laughs> and afterward, it was so great to uh, see his um, to see the interview with him and to, to see the joy in his face and his players gathered around him, his teammates. And it was so wonderful to see something that he had watched from the edges to suddenly be thrust into a deeper involvement and the delight that that brought to his life and to his heart. And uh, really is, is a lot of what I want to talk about this morning is what it means to delight in our participation in the work of God. Because God is about His work around the world and in this church and through this church. And what His desire for you and me is as we involve ourselves, not just from the edges, but from the inside and being involved in increasingly uh, deeper ways that we will be delighted in the way that God works in us and through us. But sometimes it's challenging because we wonder at different moments if we are important enough in the church. We can wonder if we have anything valuable enough to give to the church or to give to God we sometimes can question if our ability to give, even, even if we only have a little bit, does it really make a difference? And the answer to that is yes. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the two chapters in the book of Exodus, chapters 35 and 36. Uh, we're going to open up there again. I invite you to uh, open your Bibles, turn them on, uh, Exodus chapter 35 and 36. We, we looked at the idea of people gathering to give and the willingness of heart that they had in giving to God and giving out of their ability to Him. And uh, you might remember that uh, they, the people had been delivered, the Hebrew people, out of captivity. The handcuffs had been taken off. They had come out of Egypt. They're moving with God. Moses had gone up to Mount Horeb and he had uh, gotten the Ten Commandments. It's this amazing picture because we see there, as Moses goes up, he's gone for a long time. And there's often a difference when we're standing in the middle of what God is doing versus standing far away and observing from a distance what God is doing as Moses is right in the middle for days and days. He is in the presence of God and God is communicating with him and he would eventually come down with the Ten Commandments. But all of the spectators from the edges and at the bottom of the mountain, when they would look up the mountain, it was an amazing sight. Because when the presence of God was there, the Bible describes it like this cloud had descended to give a tangible representation of the invisible God. But from a distance, people looked at it and they 
they saw it like a consuming fire. They didn't know what was going on up on the top of the mountain, and they didn't know if anyone or anything was going to survive it. And Moses had been gone day after day after long day, and he doesn't return. And you're right, remember that, that they turn to Aaron, Moses' helper, and they say, Aaron, we know we saw God do amazing things when He took us out of Egypt, but we're getting impatient. So take this jewelry of ours, melt it down, and fashion for us this golden calf idol. A different tangible image made by our hands, the way that we would like God to be, and we will worship it. And when God observes this, He tells Moses, it's time to go back down the mountain. And when Moses comes, he, he is so upset by it, he throws those tablets of stone down and they break. And God works out His discipline on the people and, and he, he relents from uh, utterly... <laughs> uh, utterly displaying His wrath over them. And He takes Moses back up the mountain and He gives them a new set of commandments. And when He comes back down, He is now giving them some instructions on building the tabernacle. You may recall that the tabernacle is that portable sanctuary as these were people on the move. It was a big, elaborate tent and, and curtain system that they could pack up and take with them and set up when they had, were making camp, and it would sit in the middle of, of their existence. But they had come, and you might remember a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about how in these two chapters, as the description of the building and the preparation of the tabernacle is being given, that over and over again, it describes the people. The invitation is this. Those who are willing, and that just comes up over and over again. If you are willing, if you are willing, won't you come and give? If you are willing, won't you take that which God has placed in you, the gifts and abilities, and bring them into God's kingdom? Those who are willing, take it. doesn't matter if you have a lot or a little, but if you're willing, won't you come and participate in the work of the church and share financially and giving toward this effort? And we saw how there were some craftsmen who were especially skilled to do this particular work in this particular time. But the whole community was invited to participate in the giving of financial contributions into the work of God. Everyone who was willing, the Bible says in verse 21 of chapter 35, everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord. If we're to look here in verse 5 of chapter 35, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. And then the list goes on to other things that they might take. But here's what I wanted to highlight this morning. Is that it says, everyone who is willing, take from what you have. It doesn't say go and uh, grab some new stuff. Or take from what you don't have. It says, evaluate that which God has entrusted to you at this time and come and share in the work of the kingdom. Come and involve yourself and participate in your financial uh, giving so that the work of God can move forward. Not on what you don't have. The focus isn't on what you wished you had. 
The focus isn't on, boy, so-and-so has a whole lot more and how much more and greater, bigger blessing they are to the kingdom of God. That's not the focus at all. Because God is not in measuring the amount. What God is measuring is, is the condition of the heart and the proportion of the gift. That's what God is delighted in. It's a consideration of what God has placed in your heart. Examine what you have. And out of that, God invites you, if you're willing, to come and share and participate in the work of His kingdom so that that which He wants to do through this church will go forth. It's not about comparing ourselves to other people. It's about comparing ourselves to what we sense God calling you as an individual, you as a couple, what God would call you to give and to participate in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, as he is going and inviting the churches in Greece to give to a collection and to, to fulfill and complete that which they had promised to, to send to the Jerusalem church, what he says is that uh, whatever you have decided in your heart, won't you fulfill that before the Lord? Right? It's not done out of compulsion. You know, a preacher's not supposed to stand up here and make you feel guilty for what you're not doing or what you don't feel you can do. Because the type of giver God delights in is all that we should care about. And the type of giver and participant in the kingdom of God is one who does it cheerfully. We're not given out of giving out of grumpiness. We're not giving out of a sense of, well, I must do this or God's going to be mad at me. It's a delight of the heart because we get to get off of the sidelines in a particular way and get to move ourselves right into the middle of what God is doing. It's full-on, hands-on participation. It's not, boy, I wish to, or it's not a theoretical thing. It's not just, I mentally assent that giving to God is right, but I never make access to what I have to God. It's a very tangible expression of your heart that delights in God. And that delight bubbles over into a joy in giving financially to the Lord. It's about proportionate giving. In that same passage where in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is saying this um, in verse 12 of chapter 8. He says, For if the willingness to give is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. You might remember when Jesus in both Mark and Luke, when Jesus has been teaching His disciples around the temple area. And there's this, this space around the temple where there were certain collection boxes given. So when worshipers came to the temple in Jerusalem, they had a certain designated spot where they would put their financial contributions in. And that was the way it worked back then. They didn't pass offering plates around like we do today. So this is what they would do. And Jesus is teaching the guys right across from there. I'm sure it was a very strategic teaching point. Jesus didn't do anything by accident. And while He's sitting there, he, they're watching people as they're coming. And you can almost picture just a lot of people milling about. And some of those who had a lot came. And they gave a lot. And it was a blessing in some ways. 
But then this poor widow comes by. And you probably remember the story. She gave two copper coins. Two copper coins. Kind of, it was the smallest denomination of money that they had at the time. Kind of like our penny is today. Now, how many of you in the past week have used a penny in a transaction? I see about, oh, okay, more than I thought. All right, about 12 hands, 15 hands maybe. But a lot of us don't often use pennies. If I had a change coin purse or something in my pocket, I'd probably use it a lot more. Usually my pennies go into a little jar at my home, and I collect them because they're valuable, but I'll use them for other things. I'm not going to tell you where it is, uh, just in case you pay me a visit. I want to save those. But this poor widow, she comes to worship at the temple, and she has these two copper coins. It's, it's valued at about one one-hundredth of a day's wages. So you could do the math of what that might equate to today. It wasn't very much. But it was a whole lot to her. And she came and, and she gave it. She didn't give it to make fanfare. She didn't do it to call attention to herself. She gave it and gave willingly because she delighted in the Lord and she wanted to tangibly express that joy by sharing and participating in the work of God's kingdom. And when Jesus sees her, He points her out and He holds her up as a model of faithfulness and He holds her up as a model of generosity because He wasn't measuring the amount of the gift. He was measuring the proportion of how it... uh, funneled to her heart the way that expressed her heart's desire of loving God, of trusting God, and really in many ways saying, God, my entire life is centered in and wrapped around you, and you are wrapped around me. She becomes the example, not because of the the great value of the gift in, in quantity, but in the proportion of the gift for her. And she was happy and joyful to give it. Those who are willing, won't you come and participate financially in the work of God? And then we see back, if we flip back to chapter 36 of Exodus, not only are we we to come and to give that which which we are willing to give. I I don't know how the, the, the church there in Greece, how they came to understand exactly what, or how they determined in their heart what they should give. I'm certain that we are to assume that there was prayer involved, that they sought the Lord individually, families sought the Lord together. God, how much is it that that we should be involving ourselves financially in the work of Your church? And in that moment, somehow I think God would, would in their spirit raise up some sense of what they ought to give in that season, for that moment, that which they would do joyfully. Sometimes there are seasons when God may call us to give sacrificially. Right? Not always, maybe. But to give what you have decided in your heart, not begrudgingly, but to do it joyfully, because that's the kind of giver that God desires. But then I love what we see here in chapter 36, when the people 
As they were moving out of the Exodus, they're called to participate in the building of the tabernacle. Here's what we read. There were a couple of guys who were particularly skilled craftsmen. And not only were they to work on certain objects that would be used in worship, but they were to train others, other skilled people to also help build and develop things. But here's what it said. Everybody else was called to to give financially. Um, so all the skilled workers in verse 2 says that they, they had come and with the ability God had given them and they were willing to do the work. And they received from Moses all of the offerings that the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Can you picture it in your mind? Morning after morning. They're just lining up. They brought their stuff. They took out of what they have and they brought some to give. Right? wasn't what they didn't have. They brought and examined what they had and they came to share it. I, I love this, this part of the story. Um, the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary, they left their work. And they came to Moses and said to him, The people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord that he commanded to be done. In verse 6 it says, Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. Listen, No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all of the work. Isn't that amazing? It seems to me that God, as He works through His church, through an individual church like this, that there are certain things on His agenda that He wants to do, certain ministry that He wants to do within a church fellowship and through a church fellowship. And that He will gift certain people, He will give certain people in the church particular abilities to fulfill that work and then financially, I think, through what we have together, we are able to accomplish all of the financial work that needs to happen for the work that God desires to be done. I want you to hear a couple of sentences by Old Testament scholar Douglas Stewart uh, because it's such a, a great summary of, of the joy and delight of seeing that which God has given you and how the condition of the heart and the view of the, that possession how you're able to give it back into the Lord's hands. Here's what he says. Part of the privilege of serving God is to be found in the opportunity to donate to His purposes things that in His common grace He has already entrusted to the possession of His people. The highest honor a person can have in connection with anything he or she owns might otherwise and might otherwise have been used for self is seeing it given over and incorporated into that which God thereafter owns and uses for His honor. I want to read it again. It's really just two sentences, but they're pretty dense. Hear it again. Part of the privilege of serving God is to be found in the opportunity to donate to His purposes things that in His common grace He has already entrusted to the possession of His people. The highest honor a person can have in connection with anything he or she owns and might otherwise have used for self is seeing it given over to and incorporated into that which God thereafter owns 
and uses for His honor. Here's my hope for me and for you this week and in the days to come, is that we might spend some time seeking the Lord as to what, uh, how He would want you to share financially in the ministry of this church in the year to come. What exactly are we sharing in, you might ask? And that's a really good question. By financially sharing in the work of this church, what does it mean? It means helping to provide a place for worship like this. A place that has been receiving some much uh, overdue, uh, delayed and deferred maintenance because so many in years past have given so faithfully. What does your giving do? It, It helps keep a place where ministry happens, but perhaps even more important, ministry can be prepared and developed that goes outside of these walls, into places like San Quentin, into places like uh, the Bay Area Rescue Mission where our youth ministry just went yesterday to serve meals to homeless, where our children's ministry on Wednesday evenings is beginning to expand in a way that we've not seen in recent years. And it's beginning to touch unchurched families, and we're beginning to see perhaps the start of something really great in connecting with unchurched and lost people around us. It's the missions that we have heard of uh, those who have uh, recently touched down uh, in uh, Europe. Um, We pray for them. Sharing in the work of TBC means sharing in the message of the gospel, the message of God's good news the message of hope for this life and the life to come. It is a message that is clear and uh, available to all who would open their hearts and respond to God's Spirit. Sometimes people ask me some some practical questions. You know, how, how do you go about making giving to the church a habit? Especially those who maybe didn't grow up in church or uh, the idea of giving except to particular needs... Um, it's maybe kind of a, an odd thing or something you're unfamiliar with. Well, here's some, some just practical thoughts for consideration. Number one is I think most of us go about doing a personal budget maybe once a year or multiple times a year reviewing and evaluating it. If that's not a practice of yours, I want to <laughs> invite you to consider that. Uh, but here's, here's what I encourage people to think about when they're doing the budget is that when you start writing down your expenses, you don't first start with your mortgage or start with uh, unpaid bills or all of the things that are expected ahead, but start with setting aside that which you feel God is directing you to give back to the church, give back to Him through the church. Start and let that be your first expenditure in your budget. And you may say, that's crazy. Well, it may be. I'm kind of crazy. I don't mind that. But here's my point. Is that when we do that, we begin to pick up the spirit of the Old Testament into the New Testament of giving God from our first and our best. It's not giving God second or third or tenth on our list, saying, I'm going to see all of my expenses first, and then whatever's left over, then I might have a little to give to God. That may be what you come to, but I want to encourage you not let that be your starting point. Seek the Lord first about what He would have you invest financially into the work of the church or into Christian ministry. Um, You know, I like leftovers. I don't know about you, but I like leftovers out of my refrigerator in my microwave at home. 
How many of you go to a restaurant so that you can order leftovers? I, I don't see any hands. If you're like me, you like leftovers, but you don't like them at a restaurant, right? There's a reason, because we like fresh food, right? I was at a restaurant on vacation where they had an herb garden right outside. And I saw people regularly coming out and snipping things off of it, taking it into the kitchen. I said, well, that's pretty fresh. I'm not sure it can get any fresher than that. Amazing. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. But the condition of a heart where we set God first and as a primary reality in our lives, it's not just giving leftovers. That's not the kind of giving God delights in. And then I encourage people to think about, just investigate the condition of your heart. When you think about and when you actually activate yourself in giving to the Lord, does it bring your heart joy and delight, or is it a sense of dread? (laughs) Because if it's a sense of dread, don't do it. Because you're not giving to please God. You're not giving in order to earn favors with God. You're giving because it's an expression that God is the centerpiece of your life. And it is your invitation, if you're willing, to come and to share in that which God wants to do through you in joining your gifts with the gifts of many others so that God's work can move forward. Does it delight you or fill you with dread? And then a third thing I suggest to people is, you know, make giving a habit. Make it a habit. You know, personal budgeting, that, that, is, that really brings it home and making it a habit. But it is so good to be reminded regularly that you are giving things to God. And I know some people, it's great to just have automatic deductions and we have those capabilities here. But make ways to remind yourself of where that money is going. Because when we do it in a regular habit, it helps remind us that God is our source and our supply. That it's, you know, I don't, it's not just dependent on my ability to work so that my family is cared for. God is my source and my supply. God is the one who gives us the ability to work and to make wealth and then to say, God, how would I use the wealth that I have for your glory and for your pleasure? Make it a habit of regular giving. Um, I... Encourage families, make it an occasional moment on Saturday nights with your kids to gather your children together and to say, you know, tomorrow we're going to go worship, right? Tomorrow Sunday we're going to go worship. Part of our worship is giving back to God. Why do we pass plates every Sunday? It's not just because the church has a need, but it's so that each of us can be reminded that God is our source and our supply, that every good and perfect gift that we have comes from God, And that it is our reminder that we give back to God because He is first given to you. And so it's great to occasionally or regularly call your children together and to say, tomorrow we're going, let's begin to prepare our hearts right now. You have an allowance, take part of your allowance and set it aside. Get it ready to give as an offering back to God tomorrow. Because mom and dad, we too are going to be doing that tomorrow. So help train your kids in that. As husband and wife, if, uh, if you're preparing your budget, make sure as, as you talk about things, pray together and discuss and come to a, a, an agreed sense together, if you can, about what you're to give back to the Lord. Finally, this is my last thing I want to say. Next week, Stephen's already mentioned it, but you're going to be invited to bring your, your slip back. So this week, we want to just encourage you, if you've not yet taken a moment, 
Or if you have, continue in your prayer, asking God, what is it, God, that you would lay on my heart to give financially to the church? This helps our stewardship committee uh, plan. We, we kind of have both a, a practical, uh, practical and a faith-based budget. Um, it, helps, it helps them to know very few eyes ever see what your commitment is. Um, you're not doing it for the benefit of anybody else but for yourself and for the delight of the Lord because He's invited you into His work. Next week, we'll come, and just like we've done in recent years, there'll be a basket right here in the front. And it's a very active part of our giving uh, because we don't do things like this very often where you'll be invited at a moment to come and bring this with you and drop it in the basket. There's, there's something wonderful about actually moving and bringing yourself forward and, and actually giving this in a sense of this is what I, I sense God as best I can has placed in my heart to share as best as I can see it today. And I, I do it today with a delighted heart because I know I participate in the Lord. So next week we're going to make this an act of worship together. And that will really be a blessing to our stewardship team that goes about making that happen. You've also seen on the back, um, I hope, some places, just some starting points of ministries where you might involve yourself because it's about giving not just finances, but about seeing your life in the middle of God's activity and letting Him work in you and through you for His good purpose. Let's pray. God, we... We thank You for the way that You bless our lives. And I know we live at a time and in a, a place where often it's, it's difficult for us to appreciate just how blessed we really are. It's difficult sometimes for us. We tend to forget just how much we really have at our disposal or have access to. Help us to be thankful for that. And God, we don't want to be people who give because we've been guilted into it. We don't want to be people who give because we've been compelled somehow outside of Your Spirit's nudging us. We want to be people who give joyfully, generously, with hearts of delight because we know that You have invited us, if we are willing, to come and financially share in the work of the church so that Your kingdom might expand, so that You might do what You desire to do through us, among us, and growing us. Help us to be these types of givers, willingly, joyfully, offering that which we have back into Your service. By Your grace, we can do it. Next week, may our moment of worship together... God, it's not a show... It's not for anybody else's eyes to be looking. We don't do it just because everybody else is doing it. We do it because this is something we have sensed You calling us to participate in. Help us, God, if You would call us this week to sacrificial giving, help us to discern that. If You've called us to make wise decisions because there are unknown circumstances ahead, help us to follow that too. Help each of us to give what You have helped us to decide in our hearts what we should give. And we want to do it joyfully. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
We're going to stand and sing our final song together. Let me invite you to do that. If there's any decision this morning that you need to make before the Lord, I'll stand here. I'm ready to receive you. If you want to pray or anything else, let's together stand and sing.